Chris Black, good morning, happy Wednesday. What the hell is up, bro? Uh, it's Thursday, bitch. Um, today is Thursday? <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it is Thursday, February 11th, 2021. The sun is shining in beautiful Los Angeles. I did a very intense um, interval sprint workout this morning on the Peloton treadmill. Um, interval sprint that means you sprint for like 30 seconds and you stop for 30 seconds and you sprint for 30 seconds oh it's a minute sprint two minute jog minute sprint two minute jog minute sprint two minute jog oh man i am i am getting wheezy just thinking about that well jason it's um it's it's what i need to do right now to get to get where i'm trying to go um it's not the most fun but it does feel great when you finish like most workouts Okay. And do you have you defined clearly where you're trying to go? Is it are you speaking about physically or mentally? Are you just trying to get the yayas out, keep the demons at bay? Or all of the above. All of the above. Okay. Well, you know, I'm back I'm back with, with uh Hunter, my beloved trainer, and um mm-hmm. we have moved we have moved inside to the to the gym here uh at my building. And now, now that the vaccine has begun to roll out, you've taken the workout indoors is what you guys yes, decided. Yes, exa- exactly. Well, two essential workers, one set of dumbbells. You do the math. Um, and so there's, there's a full set of dumbbells, a cable machine. So we're able to get some proper gains in while still working on, on some of our ring and mobility work. You know, So it, we'll see how it goes. I don't even know, bro. I just needed a change. I needed to switch it up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. and- you said, you know what? I am sick of not going to the gym. I'm going to change that, and I'm going to go to the gym. Exactly. But it, but I have access to it. It's just And also, really quick, shout-outs to all of our essential workers in the cannabis field. Um, you guys are <laughs> you guys are our heroes, and I'm, I'm glad that we got the vaccination do you for think, you. Just a quick question. Do you think like the, the blunt roller guys <laughs> that work for rappers, oh. are, the, are those guys considered – like if I, if I rolled blunts for, for – you know, little baby, am I now an essential worker, or is that is that is it, does it have to be more of like a a cannabis, you know, flower mm. edible L.A. bullshit edition? I feel like little baby and dub baby are not cool enough to have blunt rollers. I feel like neither of them even do drugs, but it would it would have to be a much much cooler, t- you know, a, a Pee Wee Longway. I hate to bring him up always as a source of inspiration, but he's the type of cat well, who might still keep a blunt roller. On yeah, payroll. good, I don't good know. point. I think, yeah, since, the- since you know, if you can consider if the rapper smokes enough to be considered a cannabis brand, then I think it could work. But I don't know if. You know, just rolling illegally purchased drugs it would be considered an essential job. I can think of one rapper who definitely still has a blunt roller. His name is Wiz Khalifa, one of your favorites. Yeah, I know. Big Wiz. And also, you, so you're, one of your goals is to get your body looking like Big Wizzies. Do you think he let it slip in quarantine like so many of us have? I bet not. I think Wiz realized the error of his ways, and he's still hitting that cushion orange juice, but getting his kickboxing in to make sure those abs are looking cut when he's doing the Oreo commercials with his son. And also a big shout outs to French Montana for his body transformation. He's looking good, isn't he? He's all you Montana. have to do is stop taking Xanax and, and the body the pounds melt right off. I believe, if if I'm not mistaken, French Montana's actually sober. I knew he was I mean that's why he hasn't really made a good song in so long, right? Un- unfortunately that's also true. Um but I also think maybe time has I think maybe society's moved past the need for French Montana songs, you know, unfortunately. I I feel, I feel like it's just like an era that that I mean, who knows? Anything is possible. Um Once the roaring 20s of post-COVID era come back, 
hopefully it's Montana s- season. Society no joke. Will, will once again <laughs> require a, you know a South Miami style Montana banger. But you know, so so sober dick ain't hitting the right way is what, is what I'm saying though, and that applies to the pen and the pad. Go ahead. We need to hit Miami, bro. I'm feeling the pull of of <laughs> your takeaway from all of that is damn. We need to hit Miami. I, I was I was talking Miami. about that with with LP a couple days ago because we went to Miami last year. We were like, can you believe last year we were at dumbass Art Basel in Miami, like kind of having a shitty time. And I, I was like, you know you guys what? Went to Art Basel. Oh yeah, it was God. me, Bay, and Oberg shutting shit down. But unfortunately, <laughs> there was no shit to shut down. It was just like, okay, <laughs> we're going shutting, to this where party. Were you, shutting down, were, were you shutting down the infrared sauna at the Four Seasons? What were you shutting <laughs> no, down? I mean, we like, were we were trying to we were trying to get our fiesta up? fiesta on. But like you know, like the homie would be like, "Yo, I'm DJing at the Soho House tent. Come through. I'm playing at twelve or whatever." Which would, in a normal situation, would be great. I would show up, I would get in, my name would be on the list, and I would go. My my friends would have a bottle. I'd be smoking cigs, you know, for hours on end. Maybe a little bump ski, whatever it is. It's a, it's a good vibe. When in, my, when in Miami, baby, you got to do a little cocaine. Checking you know out some saying? hot males and females laying around by the pool. Mm. It's a, it's always mm. a nice situation. Maybe I'm I eating love fries. Beauty. Yeah, I just love I love booty. You know what I'm saying? Um, Damn, Jason. So you're telling me that you would eat fries shirtless? That's pretty crazy, bro. <laughs> you want to? That's I, crazy. I'll be doing that in Hawaii in just a few days, Chief. But but the but then good for you. But don't share it. That's all I have to say. <laughs> one one thing I won't be sharing is my is my side of mayonnaise and my side of mayonnaise as it pertains to my large white white stomach and chest area. But when we went to to Basel this time. I would my friend would be like, "Hey, I'm, I'm playing at Soho House. Come through. I'm playing at 11. Then you'd go, and it'd be like, "Oh, we have to wait because like you know, Questlove is gonna do a set or like some you know some boner shit." Ugh. So and then you go there and it's there's just like eight thousand people in line and there's no line and like all the Miami city locals are the ones who are getting in because they're like tipping the door guy eleven thousand dollars and. Not a single person is under the age of 50, and the whole scene is just real trash. So next time I go to Miami, which will hopefully be soon, you know, I'm going to pull up at, at, yeah, the, we'll get the, at the Mediterranean restaurant Mandolin. Have you been there? Yeah, let's go, baby. Mandolin's oh. zaps. Yeah, bro. Yeah. I mean, I'm, like I'm you ask... go to Mandolin, you could they, they give you an ashtray at the table. You're smoking. So lit. You know, the, the Beckhams are at the table next to you, and they're down for oh. cigs as well. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we need to bang Diz's line. We need to charter a little, a small yacht. You know what I mean? Just for a, mm-hmm. a just for a trip, a trip around the bay, and then a sunset meal at Mandolin. What a dream! Sun kissed. You know my 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 beautiful pale skin, a little red. You know from yeah. the full day out. But but it's it's called a ba- it's called a base layer. It's called a base layer. <laughs> I was just working on my base out in the backyard, but I, I have no problem busting it wide open for a stranger if I was promised a, a, a lovely activation like that. I mean, hopefully, I, I feel like Eleven's probably open. I feel like Liv might even be open. I mean, you won't catch me at Eleven. You know, my bedtime does not permit going to Eleven anymore. You won't catch catch me there either. But I mean, it's it's just when things are open, it feels good, you know. But I want to. Where does Ply? Where does Ply's live? Clearwater. <laughs> It might be Clearwater, Florida. I think we should. Uh, we got to we we find plies. Maybe that's a podcast, a narrative podcast that we could sell to Spotify Premium. 
Yeah, Spotify Premium is just giving these deals out. Friend of the show, Yossi Salik, announced, you know, via mm. Variety, what well, must be nice, uh, <laughs> via Variety today, an industry trade publication. We've never gotten that kind of treatment, but but her new podcast, uh, Bandsplain, Bans where she where she has a friend on to kind of explain a band that, that she doesn't necessarily like or understand. Mm -hmm. um, and, and guess who's featured on this upcoming season, Jason? Do you know anybody? Yeah, is it... Um... Uh, is it you? It is me. Yeah, Big CB is is is. Luckily, I joined Yasi and and we talked about the Goo Goo Dolls at length, mm -hmm. um, which which is the content you've all been begging for. Um, I don't know when my episode comes out. Sometime in March. Stay tuned. We'll be we'll be publishing it on the How Long Gone Radio stream as well because we're doing a little crossover. Thanks to Spotify. It's exciting to see um, this level of podcasting. Honestly, it, it, her intro and stuff. Check it out. It's really good. It's really, it's really well done. She got an original song made. I mean, it's really impressive. Mm -hmm. I can't get, wait to get into the narrative space, just like her and some other Spotify originals. I love Spotify originals. You know, we should get. Well, who should we get to record a cover of Brooks and Dunn? How long gone to to be our to? Do you have any ideas off the top of the head? Well, Bruce Springsteen got a DUI, so I guess he's out. <laughs> But but I mean, what, there can, are you can't record <laughs> covers after you've been popped for a DUI. I just don't want that connection to him right now. He's right, a little too hot. He's a little too hot. We, we want to stay away. From the, that. You don't like the optics of it. We don't like the optics. I don't know. I mean, maybe mulatto. Do you think mulatto would do it? Well, I read that mulatto R and B and rap singer is has announced that she plans on changing her name this year. So. Again, I don't know if we want the optics of that either. Really not the heat. Damn, I keep picking bad stuff. Well, I mean, I guess we could talk to. I mean, I don't know. We it's could gonna talk be. To, it's gonna be T Grizzly, Chris. Come on. Damn, Big T would be fine. Don't front like you don't know who it's gonna be. Do you think Tay Keith could flip the How Long Gone riff into a beat and then give it to T? A T? Drop it into Fruity Loops. It'll take him ten minutes. But we do not have. I don't think we have the budget right now to get him. Unfortunately, to do that. we don't. But but thanks to Spotify, we could soon. Um, but we do need. I think we should. Maybe we should put out with our gatefold LP greatest hits on Jag Jaguar. Maybe we should also put out a bonus seven inch for Record Store Day. That's three covers of of How Long Gone by Brooks and Dunn by artists. We so we're A and R now, bro. That's, that's what we're good. doing. Well, I think first we have to maybe clear it with the people who wrote the song. I know. I, I even though it is our theme song for our podcast, it is not technically uh, ours. Well, Jason, you know, when in you the, in the eyes of the law, unfortunately, when you take something and make it more famous, um, mm -hmm. it, 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 you're right. It, it legally isn't yours, but that's something that we could possibly work around. I feel right. Like. So you, so some type of audio based squatters' rights could be enacted where we could well, we could make a case for the court. What we could do, another option, is we could maybe maybe we could get Brooks and Dunn to record it with someone new so it brings them back into the limelight. Brooks and Dunn, Lil Uzi Vert. For example, no, Casey Musgrave's new album coming out. Casey Musgrave's Divorce Mushroom album coming out. What what does she need more than the HLG bump? Did you just say Divorced Mushroom? Well, it's it's about divorce and psychedelics. So you know it's gonna. So you know it's gonna fucking slap. She she's in the. She, Did she get divorced? Yeah yeah she's single. Shawty's single. Okay, she's on the so, cover of Rolling Stone. Of, cover of Rolling Stone by by Ryan McGinley today. Full article behind a paywall, but you know how to use incognito mode. Okay, so that is great news for me. I'm glad that that she is off off of a bean, and then I'm glad that she's on the market. Off a of bean and on the market, Casey Musgrave. You know our our guest today. How's she looking on the cover? Is she looking good. She looked good. Our okay. guest today could actually do a very interesting theme song for How Long Gone.
Mm-hmm. And I know he'd be taking mushrooms too, probably. Yeah, he definitely be gone off the off the stimmies. Um, no check. Uh, our our guest today is Rye, uh, better better known as Rye. His name is Mike Milos. He's a uh, producer, uh, singer, songwriter, musician. Uh, originally from mm-hmm. or, a, a voice of silk, a voice of silk. Originally from Canada, thank God, eh? Um, but but now mm-hmm. now so now we're gonna have to do ten minutes on Canada. Shane. We always have to do ten minutes on Canada. <laughs> uh, now now lives now lives in beautiful Los Angeles, just like us. Jason, and I love his music. You probably all love his music. His his new album um, just came out, uh, Home. Um, like mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, we included some of those songs on um, on How Long Gone Radio. His first album is an absolute classic that we all rinse to death. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if your car gets the radio station KCRW, you know everything there is to know about this man already. Should I do this whole podcast as Jason Bentley and see if he notices? <laughs> it'll it'll be a trigger for him. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, it's it's Jason Bentley. KCRW. Oh, it's too close. It's too close. <laughs> KCRW. We're going to talk to Mike about about his new record, about his uh, Topanga Canyon spread that he shares with his partner, mm. uh, Secular Sabbath, hanging out with our 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 boss Diplo, fighting with record labels, touring, sounding like a beautiful woman. There's so much to cover. Bye. Let's hit. Let's hit him. We like dealing with professionals, so I, I thought maybe you'd come through with the full, you know, setup. But you know, I, I like this low-fi. I test. do have a full setup as well with like a proper radio mic, but it's like, oh yeah, it's harder to set up, and it's like because my studio, my studio, I purposely don't. <laughs> it's harder it is, to set and up. I, I don't have Wi-Fi in my studio purposely, so I don't like go on Instagram while I'm working. Wow, that's a. That, this is going to be a, an episode full of life hacks already. Yeah, that's one <laughs> yeah, of them. That's... Have bad internet in your recording studio. Well, but you live in this. I mean, we're we're seeing a little bit of this beautiful vaulted ceiling here. But I mean, the Topanga the Topanga Wi-Fi is notoriously not great. Topanga Wi-Fi. No, the reason why this man has beams in the crib. No, it's got beams. The, be- the beams of the, the, oh Jesus Christ. That, that's why our Wi-Fi is not good. We're at the top of the mountain with no neighbors. Yeah. At the top, it's just us. At Who's the, the top, it's just us. <laughs> just us. That is <laughs> so. Did you have to? So when you moved into this house, did you have to do a bunch of work and stuff to make it like technologically sound to even operate as a musician? Not. Really. I had to build the studio out. So I took one of the existing structures and set up the studio, and that took about a month. Yeah. But um, that wasn't getting it up to speed technically wise. I was just getting all the preamps in the shit in. The yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, but and because I don't want Wi Fi in the studio, I wasn't trying to to yeah. I did have an incident where after I moved in and got the piano in and everything, there was a flood and I was like, oh shit, had to <laughs> bring in like somebody, yeah, and like had to waterproof it, like dig out this trench and then spray this like pink waterproof, like like crazy toxic material on the outside. So <laughs> yeah, that, I was like, whoa, didn't think about that. But um, Damn, okay. Well, yeah. homeownership has its ups and downs, doesn't it's it? true. I mean, true. this house. This house. Well, I'm glad that we're all sorted. Yeah, we're we're happy. We're happy the piano survived. You know, that's what's really important. It's true. It is actually. Yeah. I mean this this house seems like a real uh, a move. Like, did you live in Topanga before? Or did you live in a different part of L.A.? I lived with my partner Genevieve in downtown L.A. in a loft where every time I'd park my car, some dude was literally going to the bathroom, and I just like one day I was like, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I can't be parallel parking while there's a man i can't be covered in feces and urine every yeah. single day every, not, every day. not every not day, day. I, just, no, I mean i get <laughs> we, so we talk 
we talk often about downtown LA and how, how unfortunate it is that it is just a sea of urine, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's not like those people's fault. Like it's nobody cares no. to help out all these people that are like it's the land that, it's that crazy. time forgot, unfortunately. Well, yeah. congrats on getting out of there. It makes it makes Topanga life that much sweeter. Yeah. It's true. Have you have you thought about maybe having this crib on the art architectural digest, perhaps? Uh, we get a lot of requests, um, and we get a lot of requests. To film up <laughs> don't here. Fl- don't flex on us like that. We, look, we get a lot of requests, Jason. We're we're you still. Do. This, does your house have its own PR? <laughs> well, we've rejected all the requests. Um, okay. Oh, are you? What are you holding out for? I mean, what, who are you? Are you just holding out in general? It's kind of a sacred place. Like I don't want to just. Yeah. Oh. You know what I mean? It would have to be the like right that. scenario for me to let someone do something here or shoot here or do something like that. But So like if Letterman had you on his Netflix show, you would let him kind of come around and, you know, kick the tires perhaps. Maybe not Letterman. I would do it, yeah. I would do it, I would do it for Letterman. I would do it for I think Letterman. that's a Letterman's a yeah. good Letterman's a good bar. I think that's like a pretty high that's a pretty high bar. But I mean, did you yeah. have so when you were living downtown, did you have a separate studio as well that was Yeah, so my bass player and his business partner acquired uh Earth Wind and Fire's old studio, which is called Revival is- Complex. Uh beautiful wow. room it was designed by George Massenbury. So I had my drum set up there, my piano there, yeah. and I had all my compressors and preamps at his studio. And then when I bought this place, I just was Part of me buying this place was I wanted to bring the studio to my house. Um, so I moved everything from their studio here. And it was like part of my workflow. I wanted to be I wanted to be in the country, like on a mountaintop, just making music, you know. So you so you consider your home to be a very sacred place, you said. Yeah, and it's a it's it's sacred to both me and Jean Vieve. Like we do a lot of things here that are creative. And um mm-hmm. even the way we look at the space, like we've got a gazebo up the top that we do like a, a morning tea ritual every morning and Jean-Vierre then writes for like three hours without really talking to anyone. Um, Damn. You know, the, to get on... Sounds like a dream scenario. Yeah, we have a lot of land. So, you know, we also have a guest house that her dad, he had a double lung transplant and Jean-Vierre's his primary caregiver. So buying a house that had a guest house that we could have her dad on the property was also really important. So... And he's an amazing guy. Like I get along with him super, super well, and he's really funny and nice. And it's been really cool watching him. He pays his rent on time. He pays his rent on time. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I'm like knocking at his door. I'm like, I know you're healing from a double lung transplant, but get, get, give me that money. Now he's he's a he's a rad dude. He's a rad dude, and it's been really good for him. Yeah. What do you do exactly on your morning tea ritual besides drinking tea? Obviously. Yeah, it's not like Earl Grey. We do like uh sure, sure, we do sure, like yeah. <laughs> it's not some PG tips. It's not PG tips. Yeah, it's not PG tips. <laughs> We're not doing red rose. It's not the red rose like teeth right. Okay, we do, it's we some do, like, shit that you can't get, bro. They yeah. don't have this shit at Vons. They do not have it at Vons. It's um <laughs> we import all this tea from from China and Taiwan and it's like a gung fu style tea ceremony where mm-hmm. you have small cups but lots of them and you aerate the tea and mm-hmm. the tea changes over the multiple cups and it's kind of like a meditation without the first being... pressing is different than the second pressing yeah. and things get better and worse yeah my yeah. Uh, one of my closest friends his mom is really into that super crazy expensive imported from china tea yeah and she was saying like some of that shit it costs more than than some high high level flour I'm talking about marijuana here. You know what I'm saying? So 
I actually. How much is that shit hitting per pound? Is what I'm asking you. Chief. Honestly, some tea is really expensive. I know. Um, well, sometimes it's worth buying it when you're in Taipei, for example, because it's they don't really know what you're importing. You've got these cakes of tea. Yeah. Um, some cakes are like ten thousand dollars. Some Ooh, cake cakes are damn fifty bucks. It depends on yeah, how yeah, old and from where and. Yeah, I don't blow ten thousand dollars on a cake of tea though. Like I'm not that guy. Right. I don't roll that 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 hard with my tea. No. Um, That's some Elon Musk level shit. That is. If I'd be surprised if he did tea ceremony, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, like would his, we would too. We would too. We would too. Yeah, I think he's more of like a coffee enema kind of guy. But you know, <laughs> you know, know, funny, funny you say that because don't J- don't come for the enema. Jason is actually a known coffee enema guy himself, and that's probably the only thing him and Elon have in common. Mike, you've been doing your homework. I'm kind of psychic. I can feel things, and because I, I was like, yeah, this Jason dude, he feels like a coffee enema kind of guy. You could you could you could tell that he might have a little splatter on the bathroom walls. And yeah, it's, I just I just sense it's, that it's, it's from a fine Ethiopian, isn't it? I could sense it. Could Do you are you are you off coffee completely? Are you like a tea and water only guy? I've only drank two cups of coffee my whole life. So Ooh. it's not that I'm off coffee. I never got into. So you had one Tim. What Hortons. about an espresso martini? Though, Mike? <laughs> yeah. One Tim Hortons. Dude, I've never I've never had a Tim Hortons coffee. Um, what? Not to You've be never had a double Canadian, double? I've never had a Tim Hortons coffee. I've had Mike. the odd donut hole. I've had the odd donut there hole. There we go. Okay, that's yeah. more important. A Tim bit is probably yeah. more important than the double double, I would I've, say. I've had a Tim bit. You know? when, the, when, the tea, when the tea is as good as it is at Timmy's, why would you have coffee? Exactly. Oh, oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The tea, the tea <laughs> at, at Tim Hortons is so. <laughs> Highbrow, it's so highbrow. That's actually yeah. he didn't want to tell us, but that's actually when he was saying importing tea, he's actually meaning importing yeah. from importing Canada. Tim Hortons from, from, from north. Vancouver's yeah. probably from the, the closest. You take one sip of that, you're like, it doesn't have to be this good. But how does Tim do it? <laughs> how does know. Tim do it's it? A northern high mountain tea from Tim Hortons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like no, no. A Tim Hortons, sadly, has never done it for me. I know it's like the pride of Canada. I'm like, really? Because what, well, what's your yeah, what's I mean, McDonald's What's, doesn't do it for us. If it yeah, makes it yeah, that's true. What's your favorite yeah. Canadian export? That what do you miss the most about the homeland besides ooh, the friendly ooh. people? Obviously, of course. Yeah, like my family and my friends and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I was talking more. I was talking more. President's Choice canned cold brew or something important, or maybe a President's Choice chocolate chip cookie. Maybe. Okay, so President's Choice. I think they're referring to Trump on that and his level of discernment because President's <laughs> Choice is not. He does have good taste. He has really great taste. <laughs> it that is not a great cookie. The President's Choice cookie is like soy lecithin as an emulsifier. Pomp, like it's a terrible ingredient. Damn, right Mike, you're coming. Golly, Mike's firing shots at the homeland left and right here. I'm sorry to our Canadian listeners. Mike, where do you stand on xanthan gum, though? You like xanthan gum? <laughs> I'm not a xanthan gum kind of guy. I'm not into <sighs> emulsifiers, dude. I'm not right, into right. the emulsification of any product. Mm-hmm. You like it loose. That's I fair. like it not just loose. I like it like fresh. I like it. What raw. about an emulsified, a natural emulsification, like as you might do with a, a olive oil vinaigrette? Well, you can't really emulsify the balsamic vinegar unless you've got a good Dijon in there, and you want like an Alsatian Dijon. Oh, oh. Mike, I walked you into a trap and you hit a home run with yeah, that I mean, answer. You could, you could try all day and I'll probably swing for the <laughs> He said, come for me, bro. Yeah. He said, he said the Alsatian Dijon. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, you, you are right about that. You do need a, an emulsifying agent like a fine Dijon to... I, I, I knew you were trying to catch me there, but... If you have yeah. the hand strength... 
and a good quality whisk, you know, you might get a little something going. You get some separation, though. I mean, you can whisk <laughs> that all day, and you're going to get some separation. No, you're yeah. right. You're right. You know. Damn. So, Mike, you're you're of the culinary arts, is what it seems like. Not only do you enjoy the fine teas of the world. Yeah, you, you've revealed yourself. The fine musics of the world. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm very famous for being very serious about eggs. <laughs> I did not know this about I, how, you. How, would, how okay. would we know that exactly? Is that like a, a, no, a publicized? <laughs> is that in the liner notes? Like, what are we talking about here? I did a four-page spread. You talk about that when you were on Rogan? No, not on Rogan. I did a four-page spread in a la carte magazine. Really? Where they flew over a journalist just to photograph me cooking eggs. Because I take eggs super seriously. So he's he's a chef in the kitchen, not just in the studio, is what you're saying. Okay. Just for breakfast. Prepare prepare to only talk about eggs for the next hour, Mike. Um, We can talk about it all day. We can talk about eggs all day. I assume I assume you keep chickens. <sighs> okay, so there's a point of tough contention subject. here. Uh, it's a tough subject because we have a lot of mountain lions, we have a lot of bobcats, mm. and we've been talking about do we want to have a chicken coop or not. I feel they're going to be destroyed. Um, yeah. Right now, we get all our eggs from uh, Apricot Lane because we go to the Calabasas uh, market, go off. and their eggs are amazing. But little known fact about them. They sell fertilized eggs, so they're not unfertilized eggs. Hmm. And fertilized eggs have a completely different, like very rich taste and very orange, and um, that's the key to a good egg. An unfertilized egg is more dank. I hear the weed reference. Um, <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if dank would be the term, but okay. I think they're more robust. They're more robust. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for using yeah. terms that, that that I can understand and not stooping to jason's level robusto okay i mean i've never i've never smoked weed in my whole life so like once it gets into weed categorization uh, you know like that category i'm like i'm out like i don't so you're telling you're telling me you're telling are you are you drug free mike i'm drug free i've always been that's really interesting actually i'm that weird guy that's that's never smoked weed and you're like wait what like you've never tried weed i'm like yeah but your 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 life partner will dabble though right she she grew up in a very different environment. She grew up at Esalen and Big Sur. Her like, yeah, okay. Um, her mom. It's in the water. Yeah, and her mom was there for fifty years, and she ran the Healing Arts Center there. And they were doing a lot of like, if you read Michael Pollan's book, a lot mm. of the LSD experiments were actually mm. at Esalen. I mean, even Aldous Huxley mm. wrote The Island based on Esalen, you know, and he wrote Brave New World after being there. And, um, so yeah, no, the the culture in California that dates back to the 60s and 70s was very experimental and her parents were definitely definitely part of that in a really cool way not in a bad way but were you just not interested or or did it did it were you scared like what do you think kept you away when you were younger so i remember one time seeing my dad smoking uh some marijuana <laughs> and i saw him exhaling and i saw an image of his soul like coming out of his body and it just never left me and i just for some reason that just Hit me in a way where I was like, I yeah, for me it's not right. Did you have Damn. a? Did, did okay. you have? What was your relationship like with your dad? Was that is that a testament to the relationship, or was it just something that stuck with you? No, no, this stuck with me. My dad's great. My dad's like a huge part of why I do music. Like he's a violinist. He got me okay. cello. I played with him. Um, my dad's like a tough guy. That's super nice. Like he doesn't tell you it's amazing unless it's good. Like he doesn't sugarcoat mm-hmm. anything. But I actually think that's positive. I don't think you need to reward people for. Uh, failing like I think it's nice to actually push people to be positive you know to be good agree 
he's uh no, I have an amazing relationship with my parents. My parents are super super amazing people, really nice. With those with those instruments, with the cello, violin, that stuff, it does seem very um it seems regimented in a way that maybe like learning guitar at that age doesn't. Um is that yeah, safe? Yeah. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Yeah, I started really young and I started the Suzuki method, which is still based around having fun and being very tactile, but there's a lot of uh, theory and there's a lot of perfection with like how you place your arm and how you use the bow and you just have to get that. Where piano, you can hit it and it's going to sound good, but cello, you got to really so you're you gotta work at it to get it. You started on cello? Yeah, started, I was three when I first started playing cello. Jeez. So the, the cello was bigger than you. When you're young, you play a smaller cello. It's not a full-size full cello. Tiger Woods' ass over here starting real young where the putter's too big. You are the Tiger Woods of cello. I'm not, the, I'm not though, because I'm not an amazing cello player. But mm. um, I didn't keep it up after I was 16. I kind of switched to drums and I went to university for jazz drums and stuff. But uh, classical music and strings has always... Like, I think that way when I'm composing songs. Like, I love, uh, like, arranging all the strings and creating suspensions and I really leave a lot of room for strings in the song. Yeah, I mean I think that's a I think that that's a interesting way to approach it versus like, you know, playing the guitar and kind of fucking around and, and coming to it later. You know, I think you got the foundation. You were learning to read music as like a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And um and I was in choirs as a kid and I went to a dance school so I did ballet as well, which is also very regimented and yeah. the patterns are there's a lot of discipline uh, and then I like did speed swimming as well, so I was like competitive swimmer. What the hell? Damn. All right, bro, leave something for the man. rest of us. All right, leave something for the rest of us. All right, relax, <laughs> relax, my okay. Damn. And, oh, and then on top of all that, I'm also psychic. So <laughs> yeah, that's yes. cool too. Yeah. I am, yeah. But, well, am. you you were sens- you were you were mentioning you know like you were able to see your dad's soul leaving his body. You were mentioning uh-huh. having some sort of psychic abilities and mm-hmm. ability to read people's auras and things like that how why you know elaborate on that was there a a eureka moment was it always there did something happen the first time i ever saw an aura if you really want to go down that that we do Um, are we talking to the the other hollywood medium right now or is this i just want to make sure we're on the right this is it this is your moment okay good your moment okay good i'm sitting i'm sitting down endlessly endlessly interesting to us honestly i'm down because most of the interviews i do are like oh like why'd you make a record and like so let's go for it. Um, yeah, we love your music. We don't give a fuck about talking about it. <laughs> Great. That's perfect. Okay. So I'm skateboarding. I'm like 10 or 11 years old. And my best friend at the time was named Sahab. Amazing dude. And we used to skateboard like to the wee hours because both our parents had very lazy fair attitudes in terms of like curfews and stuff. And, and we were skating and we used to like steal like wood from construction sites and build ramps and like whatever. Mm-hmm. And there was one time where I saw him coming around this corner and he was doing a power slide and he fell and he slipped and he like hit the ground really hard. And I saw this like explosion of red shoot from out from him. And I saw this red color like, mm-hmm. and it was like just shooting from him. And he was super angry that he fell. And I was like, it was the first time I realized that this red explosion was because he was angry. And he was angry at himself for falling and not like pulling off his trick or something like that. But, mm-hmm. um, that was the very first time I was like, oh, wow, there's like, because as a kid, when I saw the soul with my dad, that was an isolated thing. And I didn't know that it was different. I thought, you're so young unless you see something like whatever. Mm-hmm. But Every, everyone sees the red when things like that happens. Oh, sorry. Everyone does. 
but that was like the first time I was like, okay, I, I do like like the mystic. Like I'm interested yeah. in music to mm-hmm. me is, is mystical, and I'm not scared of it in any way. Yeah. Okay, are you still seeing things like that nowadays? Do you really want to know that? Yes. Absolutely. All right. Um, I do see tons of things. Do you want me to uh, tell you like a really crazy one? Yes. Okay. Yes. How could we say no to that? Why? Right. You, yeah, you, you're looking. You're looking at me like a, we're scared. Like you're like I, I'm. We're asking. You know. All right. No. Okay. Here we go. So I'm playing it. We're we're going I'm on this trip. I'm playing a show in you. Italy. You're going on a trip. Okay. So I'm playing a show in Italy, and we're playing this tiny little town. They're doing this festival. It's really strange because I'm like, how do they even afford to bring bands there? Mm-hmm. And the guy opening for us was the drummer for Caribou, and I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. We get there to do sound check. It's an old, the history of the, the town where there was like a Freemason slash Rosicrucian hideout in like the 1400s or something. And we're in the green room and I hear this chanting and we look to this kind of churchy looking room that's below us through like a kind of like a crack in the wall that had been covered up. And we see these people in these cloaks singing this really weird chant. It's like two in the afternoon. Cool. Well, that was neat, but it felt kind of weird. But I was like, why are they dressed in these cloaks? Boom, fast forward to I'm in the middle of the concert and I'm playing and we're in this square and there's this massive church and there's this beautiful old tree in the middle and there's like 500 people just watching us play. And I see this black, like solid black absence of light creature come out from behind the tree. And it's huge. It's like seven and a half feet tall. You're on stage. You're you're singing like you're fully performing. I'm singing. I'm fully performing. And to be honest, I've gotten really good at not being affected like by the crowd, like I stay in it. Yeah. I'll see a fight break out at a festival and I'm like, oh, I'll just keep singing or something will happen or someone talking. I'm like, oh, I'll ignore it or I don't know. Like mm. someone flashes you and you're like, whatever. You just keep singing. I love, right? <laughs> I love the idea of, of a fight breaking out during a rye set though. That's my, that's my favorite <laughs> scenario, I think. I saw it at Coachella. Actually. I was like, <laughs> That's weird. That is is not what the music inspires in me personally, but everybody comes to things differently. I know. I know that. Exactly. You know, but I see this creature like roll out and he has red eyes, but they're not glowing red. They're just red. And he's like, just looking at me. And he keeps doing this weird thing with his head, kind of like what dogs do, where like they, it was like, he was turning his head sideways, trying to like figure me out or something. Mm -hmm. This creature like watched three songs and then like, so he was fucking with the set. He liked what he heard. Do you think he worked at Pitchfork? <laughs> oh, that would that would explain it. That would explain it. Those creatures over there. Yeah, okay, it. sorry. Go continue. No, he did not work at Pitchfork. I don't think he was a musician or a, or a viewer. I think he was just like this weird thing that I saw in Italy. And then he went and kind of rotated out and disappeared behind a tree. And then we just did the rest of the concert. It was super fun. It was cool. And fast forward to three in the morning. So I don't tell my whole band about it because I'm like, everyone just thinks I'm going to be... Like, like having problems, you know. Hey, like, did you guys see, also whatever. see that demon yeah. on, on song twelve? <laughs> so I did. So I didn't bring it up. The next day, I'm eating breakfast in the the lobby of this super old hotel that we're in, and my bass player is like ghostly white. I'm like, "What's up, dude?" He's like, "Dude, I had like a really really strange experience last night." I was like, "What's that?" It was like three in the morning. Like this black creature came over my bed and like compressed me and was pushing me down, and I was paralyzed and I couldn't move. And he's like, "I got into this kind of." like challenge with uh this entity where i was telling him i wasn't scared of it and stuff and i i was like that's really weird dude like and i described what i saw and he was like it it looked exactly the same as that and so it was weird to have me not tell anyone about it and then him him confirm that's this really weird creature 
What what is that condition called when you feel like you have like a, a demon over your bed holding you down? Sleep sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis, right? So it, yeah. it, it sounded like that a little bit when you were describing it. It completely did, and I've like you know I've seen that documentary about sleep paralysis, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's what that sounds like. But what I saw wasn't I wasn't sleeping. I was like mid performance, and I was very awake, you know. So occasions like this arise all the time. I guess if I was you know, possessing the same brain as you, I probably wouldn't want to do drugs either. Yeah, I don't know if it's connected to that or not, but um, I also have like a type of synesthesia which is connected to epilepsy. And mm. I already I already dance in these kind of like liminal spaces that are outside of reality when I have an episode. So I'm like, I think there's an element of it. I don't want to push the envelope on that with, uh, with drugs because yeah. my episodes are actually incredibly painful. They're not like... Like physically? Oh, tasted colors. Right. Yeah, like I feel like my skin's on fire and like I feel this really, really gross sensation in my mouth. How long does something like that last? Wow. Like two minutes usually. It's very disorientating and yeah. I like forget who's, if I'm talking to someone, I won't know who they are for that period of time. And Crazy. How often does this happen? Uh, I've like figured out strategies for controlling it. So when I was young, I was getting them a couple times a day and they were very like consuming. And then as I got older, I started being able to envision this like circle and Outside the circle was the episode, and inside the circle was normality. And I would kind of mm. push through that, and mm. I kind of keep it at bay. But if I get exhausted or if I get really tired, I get them. So, like on tour, sometimes I'll get them at night. I'll just be lying in my bed, and I'd have to like talk myself out of it. Kind of. Like, I'm glad you figured out a strategy to control it. I mean, that's like that's the hardest part, I'm sure. Yeah, because w- with epilepsy, people you know go on a lot of medication and stuff, and I didn't mm. want to be on any medication and. The other thing is it's kind of a gift in a way because it gives you a lot of uh, objective perspective on anything that's sensory-based. I can feel it in really intense, overwhelming ways sometimes. So like if I'm in a room and there's really gross frequencies, I can start to feel that sensation and I apply that to music. You know, Like if there's a nasty frequency in there, I get it out so that the music stays soothing. And yeah. I convert it into something that I use in music. The process of removing it is you have to experience it, and that can be painful, but at least you have the the power and the know-how to to clear it out and get rid of it. Blessing and a curse. Yeah, like certain things I can feel really negatively in my temple or in my jaw, and I'll I'll make sure we omit that, like Mm -hmm. with equalizers and stuff like that. And I'll ask other people, and they don't feel it the same way. Equalizers as in literally removing frequencies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. They don't have that in Ableton, do they? They do, but not, <laughs> it's not, you gotta, yeah, they do, like weirdly, yeah. Damn, so so you know like certain like actual musical frequencies that you can assign a number to that might be more favorable or less favorable? Yeah, any mixer would though. Like for example, you start to understand that like anything below 100 creates aggregate low end that, you know, builds up in a track, it makes tracks muddy. Mm-hmm. Even when I do vocal performances live, we always cut below 200 on my voice because my voice doesn't really have much below 200 so why have all that Mm -hmm. low end stuff and it makes your voice clearer live and but when you deal with cellos for example let's say you're going to stack like 12 channels of cellos and it's the same cello there'll be a frequency in like the 400 range that will build up over the stack so you got to omit them on some of them so you don't get this aggregate kind of muddy gross frequency that builds up and but that like any mixer would know that like that's not like a synesthesia thing right 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 yeah i mean any mixer would know that but i feel like you have like a different way of where you're like oh that sounds off but you feel it 
versus yeah like it, it's a gross physically. feeling yeah right yeah which is very interesting to me you know it seems like a, a great way to learn things it's just like you were saying your your dad is not afraid to say things to you or only congratulate you when something really good happened and won't do it when something bad happens like that type of reinforcement you you're affected by it physically well yeah like i love the idea of tough love actually like the first record i ever did it's a Milos record called You Make Me Feel, and I showed it to my dad, and he literally thought it sucked. You know, he, like, Did he say, like, it sucks? He just left the room, didn't even finish listening to it. Jesus. He didn't think it was good. But, this, but you were making, like, electronic music, and maybe he wasn't really able to understand that or appreciate it as much? No, he said there was too many clashing notes. Oh, uh, okay. So he was like, he's like, the, the arrangements are off. Like, there's too many clashing notes. And he wasn't one to congratulate me if I didn't deserve... The congratulations. So mm-hmm. there's definitely something in me that always wants to impress my dad. Like even getting the choir on this record, I'm like, oh, I hope my dad thinks this is cool. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he's a classical musician. Then I'm like, I'm doing it for for that or that. Do you play him music in progress and stuff, or do you, or do you guys discuss it while you're doing no. it? No. No, never, never. No, he's a little like no, no. I'll just. And I don't like to be around when he listens to it either. Like I'm not going to sit there and watch him listen to that's it. That's the well. That's I mean I don't like to be around. I don't like to listen to anyone's music with them. Like in a studio setting, I no, always it's too much. It's too much. Yeah, yeah. Because you basically have to say it's good or it's going to be very uncomfortable. To, unless you're very close with the person, and I'm with you, I don't want to. I don't want to lie for the sake of lying. It, it doesn't. It doesn't feel good. No, there's no point. And it's like music is supposed to be like just heard. I don't know. You're supposed to have your own experience with it. So why put that extra pressure on it? There's certain people that I trust to listen to my music and I usually watch their bodily reaction to the music more than what they tell me. Mm. Cause you can see like if someone's blinking the whole time on like a, a drum pass, you're like, Oh, that, that snare is like hurting. Like they're like, they're wincing from it, you know? Or if someone holds their breath at a part, like it's because the anticipation worked, you know? Or when they start breathing quicker, you, you can like, you can observe these things about people, but people don't always tell you what the right thing is. It's better to kind of observe mm-hmm. how they experience it as opposed to their intellectual argument. The, as Shakira says, the hips don't lie. Good point. They do not lie. Yeah. So they you, don't lie. So you just sit down, sit someone at the board, you turn on your new record, you just stare at them and watch their every move to, to pick up. <laughs> to pick yeah. up, to pick up. It's a real, it's a fun like that. set up to a heart rate monitor, obviously. Yeah, they're on yeah, the heart rate like monitor. That, yeah, like, uh... <laughs> it's a cool, it's a cool vibe at the studio. <laughs> uh, I got, well, so like your earlier career, you were making more electronic music, right? Yeah, yeah. What, sentimental, you... but electronic. Yeah. What do you mean by sentimental exactly? Like vocal driven, still, and um, like in the same world as Rye, just way cheesier. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> before you were before you were releasing electronic music, as you know, that was like mid two thousands or something like that, like. Yeah, first record came out in 2004 uh, with Plug Research, a tiny little LA-based label that mm-hmm. doesn't exist anymore. Um, third record with them in K7. It's actually why I moved to Germany because I was like getting into techno and K7 was doing all those DJ Kicks compilations. And I think I just got technoed out. That's why I actually started the Rye Project. I was in Berlin and so much techno and I loved it. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to do something different. And I kind of wanted to return back to much more organic instruments and piano and Mm -hmm. strings and woodwinds and stuff like that before you were doing that like what were you listening to some cool electronic music like as a a youngster in the 90s oh my god i loved 
like a lot of experimental electronic. I loved Autechre. They were one of my favorite groups. And mm-hmm. to some people, Autechre is not listenable. I mean, it's so... It's like weird. And, it is. You know, Aphex Twin, Square Pusher, that whole Warp series, Red Snapper. Like, mm-hmm. there was a lot of music in there. Um, I also like that whole techno dancing that came into Toronto from like Carl Craig to Derek May, you know, like proper mm-hmm. dance music and Ella Planet kind of stuff. And did you, ha- did you have a DJ name as like when you were listening to that stuff as a, as a kid in the nineties? I never DJ. No, okay. I didn't DJ. Yeah. I never really wanted to DJ actually. I like DJs. Mm-hmm. I just never wanted to DJ myself. Yeah. Okay. I like watching what DJs do and like observing how they control a room. Yeah. And then I, I love that mentality. But I'm interested in playing uh, like live instruments and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But there's a lot you can learn from a really good DJ when you watch them just get a, a room going and they set a tone. And oh yeah, actually, my roommate Kelly was a DJ in Montreal, and every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'd be with him. He'd be DJing, and I'd just be hanging out, and uh, it was really cool to watch like what would lose a crowd versus what would keep a crowd. And he got really good at like maintaining the crowd's energy and. His whole theory is like as long as the, the the women in the room are happy, then it's a good party. So he's always like keeping the the girls dancing because that was always my theory as well. I always I always had the same exact yeah. thing. Yeah, like why do you, do you really want to be in, you know like like all testosterone angry mm-hmm. hip hop shows? Not that fun. Like I'm like great whatever. Mm-hmm. But if everyone's like having fun and dancing with each other and yeah. It's, it's interesting because, Jason, I've seen you DJ a million times. The only thing I learned was how to smoke cigarettes and hit buttons at the same time. So that's – I don't I don't know. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Maybe I, was, I wasn't seeing it the right You're way. You're not insulting my clairvoyance in the club, Chris. I'm sorry. That's the sleight of hand of a DJ. That's true. That's the sleight of true. hand. He made it look so effort, you effortless. You think he's just like doing nothing. Yeah. Like when you watch Wes, like Diplo DJ, because, you know, I'm really good friends with him. I've seen him DJ a lot. Like he looks like he's just partying, but he's really thinking about what is happening to keep the party going. You know, like there's a reason why he's successful. He keeps people going. It's really cool to watch. He, he gets the people going. Yeah, it's similar to the yeah. it, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap phrase. You know, it takes a lot of years and experience to make it look like you're just up there hitting buttons because anyone can do that. But you aren't. And he is or she is. Exactly. And. And he or she is doing it better, you know. Mm-hmm. Justice for DJ. It's about time DJ's got a little respect. I'm just kidding. That's never going to happen. But <laughs> they do. I mean, one, one can dream. They get rich. That's good enough, right? Well, they get rich. They don't even need respect because they got so much money. That's but, what I'm saying. That's like, exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, like we can be mean to them. They can afford it. <laughs> Actually, Jason and I, we do this music show and uh, for Spotify, and and he's. He introduces me to a lot of electronic music lately that has made me open my third eye a little bit because I'm much more of a meat, mm. a meat and potatoes. Like I needed to have a guitar and be made in the '90s and come out on sub pop, you know, for like me to really care. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm <laughs> I'm happy to have my eyes open though because I think there's more. I think it it just takes somebody that knows you, I think, to introduce you to the genre with stuff they think you will like, and I think it's hard to kind of break through on your own without a shaman. Okay, so without the shaman and reverse engineering, if you go sub pop, you go postal service, take it one step back and you go Dintel. And you're like, okay, yeah. Dintel was doing this really cool experimental music that it's like, some of it's pretty out there. And he's got James Figurine as well, which is kind of like techno, but it's not. And then he like brought it into pop for sub pop with postal yeah. service. And you're like, okay, really eclectic. And when you go backwards through his discography, you're like, wow, like, it's kind of cool to see how he got to, su- to, uh, Postal yeah, totally. service from 
And Dintel, it's really Dintel interesting was Dintel like record, a, you know? Dintel was like a thing. You know, that was like a thing that like, yeah. if you were listening to that kind of music, that might be a little bit further out of the scope, but you checked it out because of the the relationships, you know, because of where it comes from, like you're saying, you know what I mean? Like the, the architecture. Yeah, that underground LA indie label scene in the early 2000s was really special. You know, I was living in Canada, but I got signed to Plug Research because I loved, it was like Safety Scissors or something was the first record I heard. I was like, whoa, what's going on in LA? You know, like there's, mm -hmm. it's not just techno or it's not just dance music because LA doesn't really have like a dance music scene like Berlin or yeah. Toronto or Montreal, but it's got this melding of singer songwriter and electronic music thing that happened that was really, really interesting. It was a special time. Well, you could, I mean, someone could say the very same thing about your career trajectory as, as a Dintel or some, someone else like that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. You're, you're as good as Postal Service, I'll say. Yeah, I'll say. Oh, you know I'm, what? I'll say it. We're not afraid to say it here. We're outspoken guys. You know what I mean? We're not afraid to say it. Let's, let's talk about right. secular. I'd like to talk about secular Sabbath. How, is that cool? Yeah. What do you want to know? So, I mean, for our <laughs> listeners at home, yeah, it's, yeah, loser. It's what like questions a, do you have? <laughs> I'm down. Like, uh, yeah. well, it's it's a thing that you do with your partner where people will gather around. You'll play some kind of ambient music and have a bit of a a sabbath a ceremony a meditative seance type of thing i've never been to one so i'm i'm just assuming that's what goes down but could you describe you know what goes down to our listeners yeah i'll i'll, I'll break it down so they're long format events 12 hours sometimes 24 hours we've even done 48 hours <laughs> but we get people who wouldn't normally be in the ambient music space to do ambient music night like with us and it's all improv based for the most part so like i'll do a two-hour vocal synth improv and then like Diplo will do a kind of improv DJ slash produced ambient set or Joshua from Glitch Mob will do his or Joseph August who plays drums in normal bands like does this like really weird modular stuff and Joel Shear who's like a guitarist that's played with everyone from Fishbone to like Damien Rice he'll be doing these like looped weird but then we have tea ceremony usually at it we try to have massage therapists that Mm. Kind of come from Genevieve's uh, Esalen upbringing because her mom ran the Healing Arts Center there for 50 years and mm -hmm. taught massage therapy. So we have like four-handed or six-handed massage for these like 20 increments. And we've done them um, in Iceland. Like me and Oliver Arnold did a four-hour oh. vocal piano improv together. That's how I kind of got to meet him musically. Crazy. And done them in LA. We've done them in New York, London. Done them a lot in the desert. Um, we're doing one on Wednesday actually for Genevieve's birthday for like, 10 people and we're not going to film it. We're just going to keep it really private. But yeah, it's kind of an experimental evening that part of it is like, you don't really, you can fall asleep if you want. You can, you know, the last one we got to do in LA, it was 300 people and we had like 120 Persian rugs put out in this uh, defunct, like uh, Buddhist temple in Highland Park. And we had dinner for like everybody and then breakfast as well. And performances through the night and we started the whole evening with holotropic breath work which is super intense to see 300 people like like doing this holotropic breath work yeah it's like pretty interesting and then it gets very trippy i think a lot of people um could categorize it as kind of trippy you never know what's going to happen because it's all improv based mm -hmm. so yeah what about drug, and drug then, use is drug use encouraged is it not talked about is well you know what what is that how does that play into it the way i look at any of that stuff it's like we discourage alcohol because i think alcohol brings out the wrong yeah. mm -hmm. vibe in people i don't talk about anything else if someone like does like some shrooms like it has nothing to do with me like whatever mm -hmm. 
but the biggest thing is people just be really respectful of each other and nice and mm-hmm. but when you if you come to one of our events it, if you're a jerk like you'll be ousted pretty quick you know like yeah it's pretty mellow everyone's like there for that you know mm-hmm. we've done a couple in the hot springs where we had uh two bunch of palms but the hot springs there we had i think cassia doing like sound bowls but with people floating in the water and she's floating around you with like these sound healing bowls <laughs> Really, really beautiful experience. And uh, do you guys have like um, an ultimate end goal to it? Is there, you know, something that you'd like to achieve that you haven't had a chance to achieve with it yet? Well, we're just letting it grow naturally because it's like something we enjoy doing. Like one of the coolest things I did this whole pandemic was go to James Terrell's Rodent Crater, and I did a performance for my friend Fatima, who is like an amazing choreographer. She did some of the the choreography for Kanye West choir thing that he did there so mm-hmm. she kind of became friends with them and they let her come out for her birthday and had me sing and do a private secular sabbath at james terrell's crater and it was like yeah. wow this is inc- like it's just for us in this moment too that we can't share with people but it was it was such a profound beautiful moment that it informs other things i do musically the end goal now is we're starting a record label and we're going to start putting out some ambient music and some of the artists that have worked with us uh for the events we're going to try to put out some of their music and but we're just kind of like going with it at a natural pace. Nothing, you know, we're not trying to take over the world. We're just trying to put out high quality, sonic quality, like high sonic quality mm-hmm. stuff. So I did an hour long record that will release at some point And it's, it's kind of more classical. There's a lot of piano, a lot of strings on it, vocals, but no words. Can't and, wait. Yeah, it's super chill. It's super chill. Are yeah, these, yeah, are these ticketed? Like when we're saying 300 people, are we talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think most of them seem to be kind of invite-only, and then there'll be some more public-facing ones as well, right? Yeah, because like, we can't ever do them that big, yeah. because the Nate, like 300 we discovered is actually a bit too big. Um, you lose some of the intimacy. The ticket price is to make it possible, because we definitely lose money on every single sure, one that we throw. Sure. But, you know, we don't do it for the yeah. money. But, yeah, you can't make a lot of money with 100 people in a room. Um, like, yeah, it's just, mm-hmm. we're just covering the cost. But... We kind of believe in the community that it creates, and I love, I know, I love watching different musicians. Like, there's Lo Fang, who's toured with me. He's, like, open for me a lot. He's done a lot of them with us, like, in Mexico and stuff, and he does these beautiful cello improvs and sings, but then he's, like, a joker as well, and, and I'll sing with him. And, like, we did this one where we had everyone lying on the ground, and me and Matt just walked over people singing at them. <laughs> and they're just, like, lying down, and... You know, it's a weird thing to be like, wow, I went to a rise show that had 3,000 people in Mexico, and then I somehow got into this 100-person event where I'm, like, standing over you singing. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. kind of yeah, weird, but, weird. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but it's cool. Like, it's fun. Doing the Lord's work, yeah. I say. What is the... <laughs> yeah. What, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, what is the... Uh, I imagine you were supposed to be on tour right now? Yeah, we canceled so many shows. Huge bummer. Huge bummer. Where do you stand on doing, you know, virtual live stream concert events and things like that? I would like to do it, but I think with everything that I try to do to get it to a certain quality is really hard and really expensive. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably end up doing about two of them in the next like eight months, but we're already like 
trying to piece together how we're going to film um, a performance. And it's like just the overhead is like $50,000 just to get it off the ground. So because you, you, you mentioned before, you really, really care about the, the, the audio quality, the sonic quality. You're not going to yeah. you're not going to do it if it's not just the right way that you want it to be. Yeah, we're not just like putting up iPhones and hoping it sounds good. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know. Right. Um, don't talk about don't talk about this podcast while you're on it okay like let's not don't come for us no 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 no. you guys sound great no but it's like music's really challenging when you have live drums and and strings uh to get the the mix right really hard when you watch a live stream video you're just if it if it sounds good you're like holy shit this actually sounds halfway decent you never you're you expect it to be kind of shitty which is unfortunate yeah yeah like you said the to get something filmed and looking really excellent that's really going to cost a shitload of money yeah and i've done a lot of the live streams with secular sabbath where we use like an irig or these different like scenarios of being able to 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 try the live thing and it's really challenging once you get more than one instrument mm-hmm. you're like okay and then the camera like luckily i have a red camera and i filmed a bunch of them on my red camera but you know to to do high quality footage you need like four red cameras and you need people to operate it and you know no one comes out for no, free, then we right? got the, then we're getting then we're getting money. unions involved you know it's a whole thing it actually is like i was kind of surprised like the jimmy fallon show that we did was a huge production and it's a pandemic and we're like how do we do it and we had like five cameras there i've got my band which is seven people <laughs> you know then we had some roller bladers rolling rollerblading around us i'm like we're already at like 20 people out of nowhere and you're like oh wait like mm-hmm. so you have to do covid testing like it just gets really challenging really quickly. We haven't even you know? had Sweet Green yet. It's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wanted yeah. to ask about that because I think these performances, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, is that a lot of these late night performances, television, have been really great during COVID. Like people have gotten really creative, and, and I, I don't know who's paying for it, whether there's a budget from the show or it's a sponsor from the show or it's the artist or the label or whoever, but it's making that thing that I, I always love late night tell I've, I've watched those on YouTube all the time, but it's made them yeah. a lot more compelling. And it's almost to me, it's, it's replaced the music video in some ways, as far as like production level goes. And like, I think a lot of people are watching them. I don't know what you, what, so yeah. your experience of doing one though, it was a big deal. It was like a pain in the ass. Pain, I wouldn't say pain in the ass. Cause like I enjoy those challenges, but it's, there's a lot of variables to consider. And like, you can't just do one a week, you know? Like the next thing that we're going to do, I'm like, okay, let's set it up. Where are we going to do it? What's the environment? Can we do it outside? Because that would make it a lot easier from a COVID perspective. Um, if it's outside, where are we doing that? Mm. Like my dream is to do it at an abandoned amphitheater in Greece. Mm. And I found this one amphitheater south of Athens that's like all marble. It's so oh, perfect. Cool. And I want to do something there. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm like, okay, we have to fly there, though. So we probably have to fly, have 10 days of quarantining, and then I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull that off because that's, like, flights for 10 people. Like, you know, where's the money? Mm-hmm. There's there's some realities there. But I know I'm looking at a lot of places in L.A. too to think, how can we do this? That's um, visually beautiful, but we can get the right acoustics as yeah. well. I'm like, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean that's two different challenges, right? You know what I mean the the acoustic part and the yeah. aesthetically pleasing visually part, and it's it's going to be tough. But I think that also I think that I mean the grease thing sounds fucking insane. I mean that sounds like perfect, you know? Absolutely. But that also that also yeah. sounds maybe like the hardest possible scenario. So, I mean everything I do is kind of like that. Like it wasn't easy <laughs> to get a fifty piece choir on my record. Like it's like, oh wow, okay, I've got fifty singers that I got to write the parts for, and 
they flew to California to do the choir parts. And I'm not trying to do things because they're easy. I'm just trying to do things that are artistically yeah. right for what I'm trying mm. to do. You know? If there was an easier way to do it, you would do it. You're not trying to be difficult for the sake of being difficult. No, yeah. It's like, what's cool? Mm-hmm. Like, it's fucking cool to go to a Greek amphitheater <laughs> yes, that's abandoned. Yeah. abandoned for, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool. And no, it I, beautiful I like your spirit. And, yeah. It's great. Because most people nowadays, unfortunately, are just like, oh, it sounds like too much of a trouble. You know, I'm just not even going to think about it or consider it. And, you know, the world needs more people like you who are like, it's going to be a lot more work, but it is possible. We can get it done somehow. And that's how you create those, you know, moments that people will remember far beyond your years. Yeah, like dream big. Because, like, I mean, life's, this one big dream anyway. So why not have big dreams and try to accomplish it? And I don't know, it just ends up being more worth it. There's something really beautiful about, you know, when I first put the ride band together, it was a lot cheaper to go with like three people, but I'm like, no, I want the strings though. Mm-hmm. And I want the hem and B3 organ there. It's like, okay, the very first tour I put together, I lost like $53,000. And I was Shit. like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Let me rethink this. Um, okay, how are we going to do like, this? Right, the only way I can make money as a musician is by touring, and I lost 53000 <laughs> doing that, so maybe the t-shirts should cost more? How do we do this? We're, we're, yeah, the... yeah, and you start to think of ways. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you... you know, how do you offset those costs and whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, speaking, Chris was mentioning aesthetics a second ago. I've noticed that you have, oh, you always have a very nice sweater on. Yeah. What are uh, what are your favorite sweater brands? This is Elder Statesman. Love Elder Statesman. I knew it was Elder. I was yeah. going to call it yeah. out, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to steal your thunder. Mm. I know. I know Mike really be rocking designer Elder Statesman all the time. Yeah, I mean this. Yeah, um, I love like Marnie sweaters. I love this one brand called ERL. Shout out to ER. Shout out to. ERL really making waves. I think his time has come finally. Yeah. Yeah, there's like... Isabel Morant actually has some really beautiful men's sweaters. I've been wearing those. I'm kind of a sweater guy, but like that's... Maybe I'm just trying to bring some Canada down into California. because Nothing you know. wrong with it. Yeah, you're going to pull out the Roots cardigan in a little bit and give us a tour. I can't wait. I have a bunch of Roots sweatshirts. I mean, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we know. it's it's Your your home has a cabin-esque it's true. feel to it anyway. It's it's perfect for a sweater situation. It gets a little nippier up there and then, than it does down in the flats, doesn't it? It does. Topanga actually gets kind of chilly. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. 100%. Not like Saskatoon, but, you know, by you California got- standards. Not Saskatoon. No, no. It's not, it's not flash-freezing death. Are you the type of person that... When you do leave the house, you're always, you know, put together in a nice Marnie sweater and some trousers. Or is there an athleisure, casual, going to Erewhon outfit for you? I personally love dressing in a way that you're dressed down, so it's casual. But then if you have an eye for it, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that sweater's dope. Mm-hmm. It's like not overly pretentious, or you know, but it's colorful and it's like yeah. Quiet luxury is what I I I coined that term for that style of dressing, where it's it's for the heads. If you know, you know. Yeah, if you know, you know. And if you kind of think about it, you're like I don't like leather soled shoes. You know, I'm like I want my feet to be comfortable, so I do like Nikes or Birkenstocks and stuff like that. But I don't like suits. I'm not. You're not gonna really catch me in a three piece suit unless. But, I yeah, where what are you? What are we wearing to the Grammys, bro? Like, what are we? What's the what's the idea? It's a good question. Grammys is worth. Okay, Grammys. yeah, no. But if you if you had to go for suiting though, what what are we talking about? What's your go to? I'm a little bit biased with Brioni because I've done yeah. some singing with them, and I do love a lot of their clothing. It's a fun um, word to say. I like that it's kind of. I did this amazing vocal performance for them for Men's Fashion Week, and it was like me in a church, like singing to like the head of GQ, the head of Vogue. Like it was, it was actually insane. I was wearing this 
custom suede jacket that just like looks super fly and i know they got some amazing stuff yeah it's like low key but then when you get closer like oh wait that's like super quality you know Mm -hmm. that kind of vibe can we i wanted to circle back before we end um about uh, about eggs um, you know. <laughs> yes, sir. Let's just yeah. Get, yeah, let's just get back to. I'm sorry, go. we gotta get back to the important stuff. He let me. Let's go. He let me talk about clothes for 30 seconds, yeah. but we need to get back to eggs. Let's get back to eggs. Yeah, you know, people will say you could you could tell a lot about a chef by how they make a, a you know just a standard plain French omelet or something like that. How are you cooking yeah. your eggs? What is your way to judge how much another person is an egg whisperer like you are? I like to approach my eggs the same way I approach my music, which is mixing genres. Mm. So I have what's called the mixed genre egg where like I'm so happy you think right it's going to be a fry then it turns into a scramble Ooh. but it's all about the ingredients it's all about the the quality of stuff you got to saute the onions for at least 15 minutes before you even even mess around with anything it's slow it's a very it's an old russian technique for making veronica you know you you saute the onions for a long time mm-hmm. um if i do a boiled egg it's always six minutes and 45 to 55 seconds depending on the size of the egg take it out into ice water out Cut into discs so it's candied in the middle, and then you steam some like beets with a little bit of truffle salt on it, onions. Get like a really good like burrata or goat cheese in there. Do you have um, one of those egg slicers, or do you, do you, we cut by hand? No, man. No, no, no. You, you can't cheat if you're gonna do eggs, man. Okay. You got to have a really nice like Japanese blade. Yep. It's super sharp, so when you cut it, it's all everything's like by hand. Mm-hmm. You can't. I understand. Kind of like when you poach eggs, you got to spin the water and you got to put the vinegar in. You can't just use the egg. Okay. Poaching. Where do you stand on scrambling eggs with oil versus butter? Does it always have to be butter? Has to be butter. Mm-hmm. Um, oil that is not good for you cooked at high temperatures. Mm-hmm. And coconut imparts too much of a flavor on yes. the egg. So butter all day, all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want coconut eggs. What kind Come of on. butter are we using, if you don't mind me asking? Come on. I mean, we get either imported New Zealand butter or mm-hmm. Irish butter. You know. Okay. Where where do you do your where do you do your grocery shopping at? I'm very lucky in that I live at, in Topanga, so we have two places that we get our food. One is this Malibu farm, so all the produce is from a farm. Um, it's like 30 minute drive from here, but it's superior. And then we go to the Calabasas uh, farmers market every Saturday, and the eggs I get is from Apricot Lane, which is. Uh, by far the best eggs. Yeah, maybe I need to make a trip out to the Calabasas Farmer's Market. Would you consider it worth the worth the trip? I think it's the best farmer's market in L.A. I also like the layout because I don't get as stressed out. Like some of the other ones I get, like it's a little too compact and I get a little bit uh, stressed out in them. Not unlike Cal- Calabasas itself, a little room to stretch out. little room to stretch out and it's got, a, there's a very, very Topanga vibe, you know, because a lot of people from Topanga go there. So even though Calabasas gets a bit of a bad rap, um... Not on this podcast. No, I was actually there this weekend. Not on this we, podcast. I, I went, I was, I was driving through and I went in and I was like, I think I understand Calabasas now, like the, the energy and the spirit of it. And it's not just the place where Drake lives. It's, you know, there's something a lot more to it. No, it's where Rye lives. Oh, damn. Wow. It's not just where Drake lives. It's not. It's damn, not just OVO where Drake Rye. Lives, OVO Rye coming through. Damn. No, yeah, come on, man. <laughs> Toronto is taking over this whole part of California. I've known, I, yeah? We feel it. It's like the weekend, Rye, Drake. I Boom. like that. I like that. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna factor. It was gonna be Bieber, but then we were talking to you, so it's Rye. I see. I see the trifecta. Bieber also lives out here. Yeah. No, famously, famously. Yeah. There's something to. It. No, there, there, there's trees. I got like tons of trees. There's nature. Um, it's like 
no neighbors to complain when I'm making music. There's no helicopters overhead, which really helps when you're recording. There's a light ordinance here, so you can see the stars at night here. I didn't know there was really a light cool. ordinance. There. There's no street lights. So it's like a little slice of Sedona. little slice of Canada. I, I, Mike, I feel like you've, I don't know, man. I feel like you've kind of got it figured out. You flipped my whole life outlook on its head right now. Because I'm, I'm kind of the opposite of you in every way, you know. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear all of this. It's, it's, you've, you make it sound very attractive. Mm -hmm. I don't look like it sometimes, but I put a lot of thought into all the things that make up what life is, mm -hmm. from how your day operates from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. Enjoyment and uh, deepening your friendships is a really important part of the way I look at life. Um, quality of food. Like, when you tour a lot, you realize really quickly the people that have mental breakdowns, physically get destroyed, it's because they're eating poorly. You gotta eat really healthy on tour. Getting rid of alcohol, not that you have to like do it like you're sober, quote unquote, like ANA, but just not having a lot of alcohol on tour really helps. People that get blitzed, they do not make it past like six months. Mm -hmm. you know? So for me, it's like it's all about enjoyment of life and having adventures. What about exercise, Mike? Yeah, what's the program? Uh, well, we do African dance class once a week, which I really love. So I love <laughs> like Damn, African bro. dancing. Mike is fucking dialed, Jason. This is we're, we look like peasants right now. My man is my man no, is this. This podcast should not be free. Is what <laughs> yeah, I've been is, thinking. This guy is giving away the jewels. This, you're, so so you're saying when I'm 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 earlier, you know, I'm boasting about my sprint routine on the treadmill, and this motherfucker is African dancing for workouts right now. Yeah, because it's fun, right? It's not just like repeating emotion over and over because you're trying to get your heart rate up it's like we're having fun for a couple hours like learning dance moves and um that's super fun that can help you in and out of the bedroom am i right it does you know understand how to move your hips there's functional patterns if you're if you ever looked into functional pattern work it's really interesting like all the yeah. movement-based functional patterns like realigning your body have some of those functional pattern balls and stuff Definitely I'm not trying to get super muscular because that actually restricts your chest and your ability to sing really well. You need to well then you, oh. should, you need to call your boy Drake then because his chest looking swole. It might affect the that might affect the voice, <laughs> man. He doesn't sing. He's not famous for being a singer. I, some would argue some would argue that his R and B songs are very quite popular. You know what I mean? But you're saying No no popular. Popular. That doesn't stop That's Drake true. from trying though. No, no, he's he's an amazing artist. Nothing like I actually really like Drake. I think he's amazing. I don't think he's resting on his like vocal prowess, right? Like I see what you're saying. Singing, singing. He's he's resting on his like lyrics, his like style, like the stuff they put out. Like it's a different thing. Um, that kind, like becoming big like him because he's a big dude. Like I would never want to fight that guy. Like <laughs> you know, not that I'm known to fight people, but it's for me, it's health based. Like hiking, keeping your cardiovascular good. Like I do, like a little bit of weights, but not to get bulky, just to keep toned. And so you have, so you don't have the Peloton in the studio, then. I do not have the Peloton studio. <laughs> However, I did used to race bikes competitively, so I used to be really interested in road biking and mountain biking. Hell yeah! But you've hung that up. So, you don't do that anymore yeah. at all. I stopped. Um, this is the perfect place to bike because this whole region is yeah, like. Yeah, that's why I asked. That's why I asked that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bike-heavy place, but we when we moved in, there was a really bad bike accident right in front of our house. Here's my dog, by the way. Saying hi. hi, dog. Um, yeah, there was a really, really bad bike accident, and me and Jean-Vi have kind of like... I thought he had died, but he, he made it through, but he massive head injury right in front of our yeah. house because he fell. And I just was like, you know what? I'm not, like, I made it this far in my life without any serious accidents on bikes, and I used to be pretty wild mountain biking, and I'm just like... 
think I'm I'm good now. Like ready to hang up the spokes. Not a we the very similar trajectory of us podcasting with singer and songwriter Dashboard Confessional talking about a near death motorcycle accident that really kind of changed his life. He had to learn how to play guitar again from scratch. Yeah, I had a motorbike uh, briefly in Thailand. I lived there for a year and I got a CBR 600 yeah. uh, racing bike. And it's like incredibly fast. And uh, four weeks in, I sold it. I was like, I am going to sell myself. <laughs> this is not going to work for me? This is not going to work for me? <laughs> yeah. I, I downgraded to a scooter and I was like, that, I'm good. I had a pickup truck and a scooter. Safety first. Uh, Mike, thank you. Thank you for joining us, dude. It's been a pleasure. The new record is in stores now wherever you purchase or stream music, correct? Mm, yes 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 we'll look for you on um you know whatever live show means hopefully 2022 if not on on youtube.com i guarantee i'm gonna do something by the end of this year live love to hear it will it willing it into the universe like proper with a crowd yeah it's gonna happen like the fall i'm definitely doing a concert i don't know where in the world but i want to do a bunch of them but i'm definitely doing a proper rye concert. Right, rye unplugged at the Calabasas Farmer's Market. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what that's we need. That's what we're talking about. He's going to train. That's the goal. The dream big. Dream big. eggs. You know, yeah. just a regular guy. Thanks uh, for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks, man. It's it. a pleasure. Congrats on the album and everything. Thanks, guys. You guys are hilarious. I'll talk to you. Bye.